This morning's reading is 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 to 25. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Slaves in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He bore himself, he himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of, our, of your souls. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You're wonderful. Okay, so let's just bring this to the Lord. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your love and grace to us. Thank you when we make a mess of things. You override that, and thank you, Lord, that you want us most of all to listen to your word and to find out what you want to say to us. So please speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So, in our series in 1 Peter, we've come to chapter 2, verses 11 to 25, which Maggie has just read to us. And um, I was given a key verse, which was verse 12, which is all about service as Christians, which is obviously particularly relevant to CAP. Um, and we, we are going to come back to that very soon. But first of all, I'm going to read it to you, and it should appear, in fact, it's already appeared on your screen. Because actually, translators interpret this verse in two ways. And so what I've done is I have started with the NIV, and then moved on to the New King James Version. If you want to know why, I'm happy to explain it to you later. So, 
live such good lives that Peter is talking to the churches and, of course, through the word talking to us. Live such good lives amongst the pagans that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify your God, glorify God in the day of visitation. I'm going to say that again. Live such good lives among the pagans that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works, which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. Well, looks fairly straightforward, doesn't it? Until you start looking at it in the context of the whole passage, which is what we've had read to us. And then suddenly, it's not as simple as it first appears. Now, I know you've all come to relax at church this morning because it's a hot day. So I'm really sorry about that. But I'm afraid there's a bit of a hard work we've got to do with our minds as well to get around this one. And um, I'm afraid that that awful word theology might come into it as well. So, um, it, and it's only important because it has a practical effect on our lives. Okay? So, could I have the next uh, slide, please? So, first of all, I've headed my slide as, oh no, surely it's not. Because the first bombshell comes with that word, submit. I don't think it's a word we like very much. Do you like it? Most of us don't like it very much. It's just about as countercultural as it gets. Now, especially if you're a younger person this morning, your hackles will start to rise at this point. Sorry about that. Here we are in 2022, and the last two years we've had movements which have challenged the government particularly about many things. We've had Black Lives Matter. We've had We Too Hashtag. We've had Extinction Rebellion. We've had the strikes for better employment. We've had 30 mile per hour on the motorway protest just last week. And folks, we've probably got more to come this summer. Now, I'm not necessarily saying, let me say right from the beginning, that those movements are not just and aren't sometimes necessary for our society. Right? So I'm not knocking those movements at all. But Peter is advising a very different attitude for us to have as believers. So we need to understand why. How can we possibly talk in the church today about submitting ourselves to anything? And yet, here it is in 1 Peter. So, here we've got them. Verse 13, submit yourselves to every authority. Verse 18, submit yourself as slaves to masters. And don't even think about the one that's coming next week, chapter 3, verse 1. So I'm trying not to look at my husband at this point. Wives, be submissive to your husbands. So I say, good luck to the person who's preaching next week, and I'm glad it's not me. So why submission? Well, that, I suppose that submit button, when do we use the submit button? When we want, if you're at uni, for example, you might want to press it to say, yeah, not only have I finished this work, but I want you, the examiners, to judge it, or it's an insurance claim, or it's a job application, whatever it is. 
And basically, that idea is quite a useful one because it's the one of putting yourself under somebody else's authority. Done my bit. Now you, the examiner or the person who's judging this, has to decide. So I'm going to ask ourselves, if I could have the next slide, please. What's this got to do with our service to God, which is our central verse? Are we living in Victorian times, Middle Ages? Are we supposed to be incapable of thinking up for ourselves as Christians? Don't we care about injustice? Or are we sort of somehow floating? I tried to find a slide there that was sort of floating on a cloud. So if you float on a cloud of heavenly mindedness, then probably submission is no problem to you. I personally don't. So it is a problem to me quite often. Okay? But those reasons are not the reasons the Bible gives us when it comes to submission. The answer is no. We're not meant to be stupid. We're not meant to not care about justice. But there's only one reason for understanding what submission means in our lives as Christians, and it's in verse 23. You see it there? Christ suffered the cross without retaliation and trusted himself to him who judges justly. Do you remember what Paul says in Philippians? Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Although he was in the form of God, he did not see it as something to be grasped at, but made himself with no reputation. So Peter and Paul seem to have the same idea, and it's quite prominent in the New Testament. So if we could have the next slide, please. No, it's the dreaded word, isn't it, of theology, the atonement. We will understand submission correctly when we understand better what Christ did on the cross. And it's what theologians and many people call the atonement. And yes, the Bible got there before Ian McEwan or Kira Knightley. If you go on Google Images, because I wanted to find a good one for atonement, all they came up with was pictures of the film. So that's what most people understand in our society by the word atonement, which is certainly food for thought. But what is the theory of atonement? Now, you might say, well, I don't really care because I'm not interested in theology. Fair enough, except it's in the Bible. Verse 23 and verse 24 says, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. Okay. So, lots of theories about why Christ died, why he needed to die, and what atonement means. And I'd like to suggest that for people in the 21st century, where we are now, it's probably one of the hardest ones to accept. The objections to what is called the theory of penal substitution, you get punished for something that you didn't do, has been one which, right from the 19th century, theologians and anybody else that was around started saying, no, 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 that can't be right, that can't be right. And a lot of people haven't liked it. So, 
we've got to face the fact that in our reading from 1 Peter, this verse is there. And actually, it's a wonderful verse. And it tells us something very important. So, was atonement, in other words, Jesus taking our place on the cross, was it about justice? Well, it certainly wasn't, was it? Not for Christ. He didn't deserve to be crucified. It is highly unjust. And yet, Christ chose to submit himself to it. Why? Verse 24 continues that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. So, the verse about Christ bearing our sins in his body on the tree isn't just what was necessary in order to answer God's justice, righteousness, but is for us as well. That's the next slide, please. The cross is, first of all, about the righteousness of God. We often think about it as being about forgiveness, and it is about forgiveness. But it's also about the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God was vindicated when Christ was on the cross because a holy God abandoned his son who'd chosen to become sin for us. Christ was the victim, but the willing victim who chose to submit to punishment even though it was unjust. Why? Well, it's partly because, as Philippians explains, it was for the joy that was set before him. What was the joy? The joy was conquering death. The joy was for each of us so that we could enjoy salvation, which we could not have done without the cross. So, if we could have the next slide, please. So, what's the relevance to verse 12? We're coming back to this now. This is our motivation for good lives amongst those who aren't believers. That though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good works. Oh, that could be very relevant to us when we're at work. We have to trust to the righteousness and justice of God, even though we might be misunderstood in our desire to do good. Now, in one job that I did as a teacher, I got the job, I started it, and someone in my team objected to my appointment. And so what she did was that she kept on maligning me with other people. She kept on... Um, also not doing what I asked her to do. She kept on working against me continually. It was actually very upsetting. It happened for about 10 months. And every night I would come home and I'd say to, to, to God, Lord, what, what am I supposed to do here? And I kept on coming back to the Psalms because if you're feeling as though you've suffered injustice, the Psalms are great passages of Scripture to read because they will show you how people who've been unjustly judged feel about it. I kept coming back to the Psalms where the writers felt the frustration of God's people, and I decided to trust to God's justice, of course meaning the future judgment of God. Now, I'm sure you'll be pleased to hear that the lady in question tripped herself up 
with the head of the campus and got herself sacked within a year without any help from me. So I didn't have to go and object to the way she was. In fact, she did something else completely wrong, and that was the end of her. I, I've got to say I was quite relieved. Now, of course, that's a fairly trivial example. I didn't have to wait until the last judgment. But some people, and you may be one of them, experience terrible injustice. Maybe to do with all sorts of things. For example, it may be about abuse. It may be that they haven't been recognized in their job. It may be to do with racism. It may be to do with sexism. Now, if that is you and you cannot see any end in sight, you will have to wait. But don't worry, it's worth waiting for. It's coming. When justice will reign on this earth and when God will say what is just. So many people today want justice. And I personally very sympathetic to that. I think that is very reasonable. But I think the reason in our society that we have so many people in that situation is that if you don't believe in God, you can't afford to wait. You need to have that retribution happening now. But as Christians, we're not quite in the same situation. Because we know that God is going to judge justly. And it may be something that nobody else knows anything about and that you've never spoken to anyone about. Can we have the next slide, please? When people are touched by the Holy Spirit on the day of visitation, and that phrase is a sort of shorthand for God speaking to people directly, like he spoke to Mary and Elizabeth, for example. When people are open to his message of salvation, they will be influenced, what by? Our good works. And it will help them to come to faith. Now, that little picture there is of plague victims. And the relevance is this, because in the second and third centuries, people talk about the way that Constantine, the, the emperor, converted, as it were, not only himself, but the whole Roman Empire to become Christians. But actually far more influential than that was the way the Christians in the small churches, just like the one that Peter was speaking to here, looked after the victims of plague. They went into all the houses. Everybody else forgot them and left them to starve. The Christians didn't. They actually looked after them, saved a lot of them, and it was an amazing testimony The emperor Julian, who was wanted paganism, said to his priests, if you want to continue with the worship of a pagan god in our empire, you better start behaving like the Christians. Isn't that amazing? That they were seen as behaving, as giving justice to other people and being self-sacrificial. Now, of course, the pagan priests couldn't do it in the same way because they weren't motivated by the same care about the justice of God or about compassion. And then our last slide. We are motivated 
by the compassion of Christ and what he did in that last verse we had about bearing our sins in his body. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And of course, that um, picture there on your right-hand side is actually the, the logo of CAP, which um, Rosie was going to talk to us about. Offering hope, the burden of debt. Now, there are lots of other examples as well in our society, in our churches. So we've got CAP. We've got the Trussell Trust that started the whole idea of food banks. We've got the Salvation Army. I was behind a Salvation Army the other day on the motorway. And its little strap line was, a van full of hope. I thought it was wonderful. It cheered me up no end on my journey. Redeeming our communities is another one. Street pastors is another one. I've seen it again and again, and I'm sure you have as well. When I lived in Salford, the Salford Council and the police, do you know when they wanted something done, do you know who they went to? They went to the churches. We don't know what to do about this. Please, will you help us? It was just amazing how much faith they put in what the churches could do. Many of the churches, including my own, being extremely small and weak. As we seek to follow the submissive and uncomplaining attitude of Christ and look at not ourselves, but the demand for justice on behalf of other people, and when we experience the amazing compassion of Christ, which he gives us in his church, we will see that people notice and they glorify God when the Holy Spirit touches them and tells them about the need to come to Christ. Now, I know in this church, our leaders have told us that they want to see more people come to faith. Isn't that, that one of the great motivators of who they're going to appoint, appoint as the next incumbent? They want an incumbent who will have this on their hearts. And it's a great vision. This is the verse which will tell us all how to have an effect on our community. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for the example of submission of Christ on the cross and the way that brought us to have new life and new hope. Thank you, Lord, for your compassion. Thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. Help us to follow your example. And we pray especially, Lord, that this might be clear in the way that we do things in this church and that you will bless us and all those who take part in trying to do this. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.